Hello, I'm Arafat. I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. I did it again. Hold on, hold on. I keep saying joined with. <laughs> That's like the third week in a row. <laughs> Maybe that should be the name of the podcast, Joined With. Okay. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slow Pitch Stop. We are joined by Umayma. Um, Umayma, this is insane. We had a crazy race. What did you think about it? We have had a crazy race. It's, there's 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 too much to think about. There was so much that happened. It was incredible. And I look forward to discussing it all as we go through the, the, the episode. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this with you guys. It's what I've been looking forward to since the checkered flag. But before we get into it, before any of the race drama, we had um, a, a quite a somber moment. Uh, Formula One Titan world champion Frank Williams passed away earlier this week. Uh, his, he is the namesake for the Formula One team, Williams. Yeah, so Frank Williams died on the 28th of November. Uh, we didn't mention anything about it last week as our episode was pre-recorded, but it was obviously an important moment for the sport to pause and reflect. Um, we'll discuss his monumental legacy and success in Formula One in an episode dedicated to him once the season is over. But you could see so many tributes up and down the paddock to him all weekend in Saudi. All the different teams had Frank Williams stickers on their cars, and they had a moment where all the drivers stood around a photo of him. So a big important moment um and and we'll discuss it uh in more detail after the end of the season yeah um and yeah like you said every single team had a little frank williams thing which i thought was nice all the teams united and paying support to him but getting into this weekend oh my god it started so early it started as early as pre-practice three which like the drama it, and, you know, I thought Brazil was going to be, like, the race with all the drama, and that was going to be – but no, it's uh, – Saudi needs to have the biggest building, they need to have the fastest track, and the race with the most drama. So starting in pre-practice three, uh, Hamilton uh, is, is going around, and he's on a cool-down lap, and behind him is Nikita Mazepin. Arfa, what happened exactly that led to this whole incident in pre-practice three? Omaima, were you watching? I didn't see FP3, but I saw the stuff that happened afterwards. Um, and basically, I think what had happened was there was double yellow flags came on for less than a second. Um, but there was no indications came up for the the drivers or on the on their you know their panel. So Lewis didn't slow down because he didn't know that there was double yellow flags, and he carried on going. And so then that was uh, it was investigated as to why he didn't slow down. Um, but then there's been there was a statement he got fined for doing that, but there was no penalty for it. Um, and the FIA statement from that was, unlike other incidents this year, there was no yellow flag or yellow light displayed to the driver. The driver was well into the marshalling sector <clears throat> when the system was briefly activated, hence no breach of the regulations. So yeah, so it was interesting that they actually put you know released that that as the statement. Yeah, I think it was really weird. Yeah, it was to kind of make the point because obviously Max had the penalty that, that just the race before. Um, and I think this that was kind of to highlight why they had chosen different um, kind of punishments, I suppose, for it. I think there's going to be a theme running through our episode today, which is about how should stewards operate? Um, <laughs> but this was one of the things that I thought was weird. Rather than just saying this happened, and this was the penalty. 
they've specifically put that paragraph in their statement that says, and this is different to what happened with Max last week because X, Y, Z. Um, and I, I think that was weird. Like you don't see a football referee explain the, a penalty they're giving someone and then trying to put it into the context of a penalty they didn't give somebody else, you know? There was a flag that went on for a second and then went off. It seems to have been an error uh, by a marshal who, who hit a button by accident, which is crazy because that's what Christian Horner claimed to have happened to Max. So I think maybe that's why they had to had to mention this. Like, no, this time it really was a rogue marshal. I know we just called Christian Horner in to apologize for saying that, but that's what happened this time. <laughs> but then just a couple hours, it's qualifying. Um, and qualifying was so tense. This was probably one of the most tense sessions in a long time. Like I remember texting you guys and saying, I am, I am tense. I am nervous. And going into Q3, Lewis is on provisional pole, but he's nowhere near fast enough. Max is going so, so, so fast. Like first quarter, uh, first sector, he's one-tenth up. Second sector, he's two-tenths up. Third sector, oh my God, he's going to set the lap of the decade. And he crashes. Incredible. It was incredible because we were like, so we were just sat watching it and thinking, like you said, he's he's going to take the pull. There's there's like, he's clearly got pull here and he's going to be way, way ahead. And then suddenly he just loses the back. And it was in, it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Like he's lost that. And because he, I think then he ended up third from, from what had happened um, because Bottas got a faster time as well. So yeah, it was, it was pretty surprising to see that happen. But I think it was because he was just pushing so hard on that last lap. He was so determined to get the pole, to get that fastest lap time. Um, that he he pushed too hard, and that's that's what ended up happening. So when I saw what had happened in terms of the results, I, I saw the results on text. Um, I saw Bartas was in P two, and I was like, oh, that's that's great. I felt a little bit bad for calling him useless uh, in our in our last podcast, uh, but I forgot there was plenty <laughs> of time for a race for uh, Bartas to disappoint to me. But Okay, so, you know, Lewis pulls out this amazing lap in Singapore in 2018, and it's like a huge, amazing lap that everyone always talks about. And people are saying this was going to be the Max Verstappen equivalent to that. And I guess I wanted to ask, you know, what was it? Was he pushing too hard? Was Did the pace not exist and he was pu- trying to extract pace? What happened there exactly? So I think he was pushing everything so close to the limit that he overstepped. So if you look at the data that lap going down the straight before he crashed, he was going about 10 kph faster than any previous attempt. I think he was using more of his uh, electrical battery power or something. I'm not quite sure what, but he was going 10 kph faster. So he actually braked at a normal time uh, as he was going down the straight. It, it wasn't that he braked too late. He braked correctly. But I think because he was going so much faster than he had ever gone before, he didn't brake enough. And then that caused the lockup which then caused the, the back to step out as he got back on the power uh, and then put him into the wall. What what it reminded me of was, you know, something like the Olympics or something like that, where someone is at the absolute peak of their skill and then one small mistake just ruins everything and they, they go from like being the person that's about to get the gold medal to tripping over the hurdle or twisting their ankle or whatever and suddenly they're on the ground. That's what it reminded me of. But there was recordings of Daniel Ricciardo and Fernando Alonso watching the lap. 
And as it was going on, they were impressed and talking to each other. And I think, actually, if you're managing to impress other Formula One drivers, you're probably doing something very special. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, we thought that was going to be the talking point of the race. <laughs> I'm laughing yeah, the headline, that the headline on BBC News the next day was, could this be a championship-defining crash? And actually, it was just totally irrelevant. <laughs> I don't think it necessarily was. I think it probably was relevant because had he not crashed, he would have been in pole. Yeah. And then the way the race played out would have been very different to how it played out. I think it set up his mentality for the weekend because just the whole race, he was very aggressive. And I think it does come back to this lap and missing out in the final corner. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a mind game thing. Yeah. But in terms of championship defining, I think... Is the consequences of it that yeah. is at best he would have finished this race first, but he finished second instead. So that was a difference of seven, eight points. But if he just yielded in Silverstone, he would have had an extra eighteen points at this stage and been world champion already. If he'd yeah. finished in Baku, he would have been world champion already. I think other moments have been more costly. Yeah, fair enough. So we get to the race. Arfat, have you seen the race? So no, this was my problem. So <laughs> Uh, I was in Denmark last week because I'm a cultured and interesting person. Um, no. And, <laughs> and flying back, um, my daughter, who just turned one, uh, they turned the lights off. You know, before you take off, I was in, uh, what was the airline company? SAS. So a tiny little plane that I'm like Formula One driver sized. And even I thought <laughs> this place was tiny. Um, but, you know, they turned the lights off just before takeoff. And my daughter... It's like, oh, lights out, time for bed. And she just fell asleep. And I was like, oh, this is good. And she slept for the majority of the flight. And then just before we started descending, she sat bolt upright and made like a weird face and then just started vomiting all over me. Oh, my God. So then suddenly I'm like, and initially I could see it coming out her mouth. So I put my oh, hand out no. and I caught it. So I wasn't re- asking the, for this answer. Out of a <laughs> well, no, yeah, I caught it. And then I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. So I just like turn my hand upside down, let it fall on the plane floor. But then Ugh. it goes all over my clothes and everything. So Ugh. then I'm sat there covered in vomit. She is suddenly like perked up and fine. She's happy now that she's got the vomit out of her system. And she's looking at me covered in vomit and she takes her index finger and starts no! Don't stop. playing little I'm... circles. <laughs> and then puts it in her mouth. <laughs> and then, so finally we land. So... We then have to lug, you know, vomit-covered child. I'm covered in vomit, like suitcases from, we're in Terminal 1. I parked in Terminal 3 because it was like 20 pounds cheaper. Walk all the way over there. And then the thing is like the fire alarms are going off and the people are all stood outside and they're like, yeah, we can't get to our cars until the fire brigade get here. So then I have to oh stand and wait God. for the fire brigade. So t- in in all of that story, when we landed and I was covered in vomit, I took my phone out of my pocket, took it off airline mode, and I had a look at the Sky text updates. Mm-hmm. And it said, Verstappen first place. And I was like, oh, shame. Uh, Hamilton second, Bottas third. And it said, mm-hmm. Hamilton one stop, Bottas one stop, Verstappen yet to stop. And I was like, oh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. that's really, really good. And then all this other drama happened. And then finally got to the car and I looked at the sky up on my phone and I'm watching a slow-mo of Lewis Lewis plow <laughs> into the back of Max 
And I'm thinking, what is happening? Is one of them out? Is both of them out? What's going on? Because it's just a slow-mo re- replay of it. Um, but yeah, then I sort of figured out what was going on and uh, I managed to watch sort of the last 15 laps. That's really incredible that you managed to figure out what's going on while covered in vomit in a Denmark uh, parking lot because I couldn't figure out what was going on and I was watching from my TV. So kudos to you. So I will attempt to recap this race. And uh, if I miss something, yeah. (laughs) If I miss something, we'll cover it in the detailed breakdown. But okay, let's go. So off the line, Hamilton and Botas, pretty good. Verstappen stuck in third, unable to get around Botas. Hamilton is off into the distance, and for the first 10 laps, all is quiet. But then Mick Schumacher crashes into the wall, immediate safety car. So Mercedes say, we're going to pit Hamilton and Botas back-to-back. Uh, Verstappen has now taken the race lead. Then that safety car gets converted into a red flag race stop. So now it's Verstappen, Hamilton, Ocon. Except Lewis Hamilton does a pretty good job, and he's about to overtake Verstappen, and he overtakes Verstappen. Then Verstappen kind of leaves the track, all four tires off, and retakes the lead from Hamilton. And then they get another 20 feet away, and boom, another accident. Yuki Tsunoda crashes into the wall, and Nikita Matspin is so distraught by this that he crashes into George Russell. <laughs> And, no, I think uh, it was the other way around. I think Russell went into the no, back no, of no. Mazepin went into Russell. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in this rate, red flag, Mercedes kind of is like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, that's not fair." Verstappen took the position while off track. He needs to hand that back. So Michael Masi goes around and he's like, "Hey, deal or no deal? What are we gonna do?" So new starting order is Ocon on pole position from some way, and then Hamilton, and then Verstappen. Third start. Ham, uh, Verstappen absolutely sends it down the inside of Hamilton and Ocon and takes the lead. They're going, they're going, they're going, and then there's multiple safety cars. Finally, Hamilton overtakes Verstappen. Verstappen pushes him wide. They both go wide. Where have we heard this before, Brazil? And the FIA says, yeah, you know what? You got to give the spot back. So Red Bull tells Verstappen, give the spot back, but do it strategically. And Verstappen says, Okay, so he slows, Hamilton comes behind him, and then he slams on the brake, and Hamilton smashes into the back of him. Uh, Verstappen is given a five-second penalty, and then Hamilton uh, ends up taking the spot anyway because Verstappen has given up on life and the race, and the finishing order is Hamilton, Verstappen, and Bottas, who takes third at the absolute last second. So, Arafat, as much drama as you had in the airport, we were seeing it out on track. And uh, everything is all quiet and nobody's changing positions up until lap 10. Yes. So from my understanding, Mick Schumacher crashed into the barrier uh, and the safety car came out. Um, This is when, you know, Hamilton pits, Bottas slows down so that he can pit as well. And Verstappen complained that Bottas was driving too slowly. Um, But actually later on, the data showed Bottas was found to be staying within the safety car delta anyway. So he was fine. Um, but yeah, so they, they pit, Verstappen stays out, and Verstappen is in first place. Then the safety car gets converted to this red flag, which some people are upset about because they feel it gave an unfair advantage to Max because now the race is stopped, it's going to be restarted, and Max can restart on brand new tires and doesn't have to take the time penalty of a pit stop. But there were other losers as well. Yeah, so, yeah, there were definitely other losers. I think the other big loser was Lando. So he, in that safety car window, pitted. And so he had actually been running at about sixth, I think. And through that pit, 
he ended up 13th. And then when he was red flagged, when, when the race was red flagged, he ended up in 13. And actually, like if you listen to his post interview, uh, post race interviews, in every single interview, he says, I would change the real, real book. I would change the rule book. I want to get hold of that rule book. I want to get hold of that PDF and delete the line that says that um, tires can be changed on a red flag. And I think it, it really did give certain drivers an advantage and other drivers a real disadvantage. And so obviously, like Lewis lost out, Bottas lost out, um, Lando lost out, and there were others as well. Through this process, actually, one of the ones that gained, Verstappen, obviously, um, and actually Ricardo as well, he gained out of not necessarily the first red flag, but I think out of the second red flag, he ended up coming out fifth through that. Um, so yeah, so there's there's some discussion about whether or not this rule is a good rule and whether it needs to change. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, so we saw this earlier in the season in our second race in Imola. Lewis had damage, but because there's a red flag, he's able to fix all the damage. And so in a red flag, you can pretty much do you know anything you want to the car to get it running again. And so in this situation, Mercedes was banking on Red Bull. Yes, okay, they're in the lead, but eventually they're going to have to stop and we'll retake the lead. So Arfa, do you think this is a rule that needs to get changed or is it just the way Formula One is and teams need to anticipate it? It's tricky because I remember other variations of the safety car in the past and it seems to be they add a rule to try and correct a previous problem. So I remember, I don't know what they're called. You know, like how you had like the 90s and the 80s and the 70s. What's it called between 2000 and 2010? The noughties. The noughties. The noughties. In the noughties. Um, you, you had refueling, right? And if a safety car came out, what they found were people were like racing as quick as they could to get into the the pit lane so they could come out with a time advantage. And it sort of defeated the purpose of the safety car because people were racing as quick as they could to try and get to the pit lane. But yeah, for now, it's a luck thing. It, it helped Hamilton before. It maybe hindered him this time. I don't know. I, I think we don't want to see things decided by random luck. Um, I, I suspect they will tighten up the rules at some point. But here's something nobody is talking about online that was in my mind from the moment this happened. Why should it have even hindered Mercedes? The second I saw that Mick Schumacher hit the barriers and I saw the barriers, it was so obvious it was going to be a red flag so they can fix the barriers. Shouldn't Mercedes have known that? I, I cannot understand why they thought it would be a good idea to pit under the safety car when this was clearly a red flag situation. I don't know if it was a clear red flag situation. There's lots of things that can just be repaired under a safety car. And if it was a clear red flag, it would have been red flag straight away. The second red flag was a clear red flag. It went, you know, immediately went red flag. So I don't think it was necessary because I don't think they knew how much damage was actually done to those, to the barrier. Well, so that's the third part of the red flag controversy is shouldn't have been uh, an immediate red flag. Look, in like Qatar and Brazil and all these places, whenever the stewards made a decision, it always took at least 24 hours. At least here, they were able to do it in minutes. <laughs> but also, I'm sure, I don't know, was it Max or, I think that was Hamilton, wasn't it? That said, yeah. why, why, are they doing, why have they given it a mm -hmm. red flag? Let's just keep going, just fix it under um, safety car. So I don't think it was a clear-cut red flag right to begin with. I want to like really emphasize how important this red flag was. When it happened, I texted Omaima 
this is a potentially championship-defining red flag. And if Verstappen wins the race, the championship is over. You know, he wins. So Verstappen comes out in the lead, and what was supposed to be an easy Mercedes win is now an easy Red Bull win. And they get racing, and uh, Hamilton gets the better start. Hamilton, I think, had contact with Ocon. Yeah. Um, But Verstappen took the lead off the track. Mm -hmm. So actually, that lead wasn't Verstappen's lead. And Ocon just basically took advantage of the situation of Hamilton and Verstappen fighting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then because it was immediately red flagged, nothing. You know, Hamilton couldn't try and win that place back off of Ocon. It was just go get round, get round to the pits. Um, and it was moment. classic Verstappen in that Hamilton had to take avoiding action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people talked about Verstappen's style is. Uh, yield or we crash and I saw a great tweet I can't remember who put it on but they said in qualifying Verstappen continued his yield or we crash but the wall didn't know it was supposed to yield (laughs) yeah yeah I think so so for me the most amusing thing out of the second that was a second red flag yes that was a second red flag out of that whole thing was that was the first red flag no, no, sorry. That was the second red flag. So the, the most amusing thing with that was Perez had crashed at that point and he thought that his car might still be drivable. So obviously the, the, the marshals go in and they take his car off the track. It was in a position where actually it could have just been taken off the track quite easily. So his thing comes off the track and Perez just stood there wanting his car back. <laughs> Because he was like, no, no, I'm going to take my car back to the pits. It's a red flag and they're going to fix it. And he literally, for like the first five minutes of the red flag, just stood on the track waiting for his car back. You know, I totally missed like, all of this. I had no idea this was a thing. But it was hilarious because so they kept showing. Of... They, they kept going, like, going back to that part of the track. Yeah. And you could see his car off the track behind the barrier and him just standing there, like really quite adamant, just waiting. It was yeah, quite funny. That's, I've seen so many memes of Perez just standing, waiting for a bus or waiting in a queue. Yeah. And I, di- <laughs> I didn't understand where they came from, but that makes a lot of sense. Yes, that's what he was doing. But championship-wise, this handed the the Constructors' Championship to Mercedes. Even Christian Horner said, we've lost it. So that was a pretty big moment, um, Perez crashing out. So it brought out the second red flag. And in the second red flag, now things are getting spicy on the radio. Uh, Maybe it's because we're only hearing these for the first time. The, you know, it sounded like really insane. It sounded like Michael Masi was offering Red Bull their punishment. But Michael Masi is like, you know, this is your offer. You can get Hamilton second. uh, Sorry, you can get uh, Hamilton. Yeah, uh, Hamilton third and Verstappen. Sorry, hold on. (laughs) <laughs> that's how confusing the whole situation was <laughs> <laughs> Massey comes on the radio and says you can get Hamilton second and Verstappen third no 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 that's not what, what happened. happened what happened was he came on and he said you, you need, need to, to go get that back. position back so we're gonna make you start in P2 yeah. and Red Bull went oh okay yeah we'll do that but just to confirm you because Ocon's in P1 right and then Massey has clearly forgotten <laughs> Ocon even exists. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's like, oh, back. wait, I'm, I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. And then he's like, no, no, 
you're going to start in P3 because Ocon would be P1 and Hamilton would be P2. So everyone made all these jokes, deal or no deal, whatever. I don't think he was even making like deals were going backwards and forwards. I think Massey just forgot Ocon existed to start with. Yeah, I think so too. He was just like, he just omitted him from the entire equation. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> They're like, we'll accept P2, granted Ocon is P1. And he's like, who, who, oh, hold on. <laughs> exactly. I find it really weird also. I know Massey's Australian and Taika Waititi is from New Zealand. But that sort of gentle way that Massey talks reminds yeah. me so much of Korg from The Avengers. Uh, yeah. buddy, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you the uh, opportunity to... Uh, <laughs> Going to P2. Uh, That's my offer for now. Uh... So Ocon, having started in ninth place, is now on pole position. He is, you know, to keep track, our third different pole sitter in the same race, which is an (laughs) insane statistic. (laughs) So at this third start, Verstappen is on the mediums. He's got much better grip off the line. And the first two starts were actually pretty poor from Verstappen. He had bad reaction time. But on this one, he has a really good reaction time. And he immediately gets ahead of Ocon. And it's now Verstappen, Ocon, Hamilton. But only a lap later, Hamilton retakes uh, around Ocon. And now he's back in second. And Hamilton is, you know, like a fly around Verstappen the whole time. He is right behind him. He's a sec- He's 1.2 seconds, 1.5 seconds. But throughout this whole thing, there's so many safety cars. And, you know, Mercedes was thinking, he's on mediums. Verstappen's on mediums. He's going to have to stop eventually. We're on hards. We can retake the, the place. And they're telling Hamilton, don't worry, we can retake the place. But now these safety cars are coming out and they're making the mediums last longer. And the safety cars are coming out, by the way, because there's like chaos going on in the background that nobody cares about. And like all these like parts and stuff flying. There's marshals running onto the track and grabbing stuff as the cars drive by. Like That's crazy. So Hamilton gets a really good exit from a corner. He drives around Max. Max sees it coming. He drives really wide and pushes them both off track. Basically the same exact way he did in Brazil. So Arfat, we were talking about the consequences of no action in Brazil coming back. It has happened and only two races later. I think what was most interesting about this was everybody knew this was a repeat of the Brazil scenario. But even Max brought it up in the post-race interview and says, I don't see what I did wrong. It was fine in Brazil. And no one else asked him. They were like, oh, you know, this was fine. He brought that up himself. Um, and I think the stewards have lost control of the situation. And this has been Max since since he joined Formula One. There's, there's, Forever. He's always yeah. been the one. Like years, over the last few years, he's always won one that caused the accidents. Yeah. But like there was a, an interesting thing I saw at Belgium. Uh, I think it was 2016 where he blocked Kimi Raikkonen. And Kimi is complaining over the radio and they brought in a rule. People sort of nicknamed it the Verstappen rule where about how you move under braking because they felt he was just so dangerous in the braking zones. They had to change the rule book because of how he drives. You know, we, we look back and everybody says, oh, Senna was great. Senna was great. Senna was dangerous at points, right? And it, uh, there will be people that look back from the future and say Verstappen was super aggressive he was a trailblazer he was you know a big revolution to formula one and he changed what racing was and other people will say he's insane he's driving really dirty this isn't what racing is about 
because he is just so different to what other people do. And it is dangerous. On that third restart, I actually forgot to mention it. He sent one on the inside of Ocon, and uh, Hamilton, who was also kind of right there, had to take evasive action, and he nicked into Ocon a little bit. Did you think that was on the same level as his later move on Hamilton? No, I think that was aggressive, uh, but I think it was a legitimate move. I think it was so just what's, very, very but aggressive. But what's the difference? What's the difference between aggressive but okay and aggressive and crossing the line? So the move that he did where Hamilton had to move across and hit Ocon, like Verstappen is not responsible for where Ocon is. That move, it, it's, let's say Ocon didn't exist. Verstappen pulls off that move. There's a safe place for Hamilton to be. It just so happened there was another car there, but Verstappen's not responsible for that. Whereas in the other moves, Verstappen is forcing Hamilton to enter into a dangerous situation that he is responsible for. So that was lap 36, if I remember correctly. And, you know, all, all of a sudden, Red Bull is on the radio and they're like, okay, you're going to have to give that, that position back because you took it off the track. Except Red Bull adds a little thing. They say, give it back, but give it back strategically. So Verstappen is driving, he's driving, and he decides his strategic moment is right when they're entering the DRS detection zone, he's going to give it back to Lewis. So Lewis enters the DRS, Max gets DRS, and can immediately retake the position. Verstappen is slowing down, and then Hamilton is behind him, and then Verstappen kind of slams on the brakes, and there's this collision, their third collision of the year. So collision aside, uh, Red Bull says, okay, Verstappen, you still need to give that place up. So Verstappen gives up the place, but then immediately overtakes Hamilton. The FIA says Max Verstappen has a five-second penalty for overtaking off the track and not giving up the position. And at that point, Verstappen essentially gives up. He gives the place back to Hamilton, and he just takes his foot off the gas, and he says, I can't pull a five-second distance to Hamilton, so that's it. So. There's so much to unpack within that one lap or those few laps that were happening. So the yeah. first thing was, obviously, there was a collision. However, at that point, race control had come on and said to Red Bull that they need to give the place back. But that message was not conveyed to Mercedes. So, you know, when that collision happened, if you see the reactions of the the, the, the team, like Toto broke his headphones at that moment. Like if you see that clip, he just yeah. lost it completely. And Ron comes on the radio and is absolutely livid, screaming down the, the radio um, at um, Michael Massey. Massey. No, no, like, no, no, no. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. We did not get that message. We did not know that that was going to happen. Um, and so like there was clearly miscommunication there clearly lewis didn't know what was going on and i think it was that whole miscommunication essentially that caused the thing on top of um verstappen's crazy dangerous driving and then the whole thing about the the switching and him let verstappen letting hamilton pass but then having you know within the drs getting the drs back and overtaking him again again like it just felt like you didn't know who was in the lead and within the space of like a couple of 30 seconds or something it switched between hamilton verstappen hamilton verstappen and we had no idea what was going on and then suddenly hamilton was in the front and they come on the radio and they say to verstappen you didn't need to do that but okay that's fine 
and Verstappen just sits behind Hamilton. Like you said, it's almost like he just gave up and he just he was just going to bring the car home at that point. He already knew at that stage he had the five second penalty, um, and he was just bringing the car home, and, and Hamilton just went for it. So, what I thought was quite interesting was the statement from the FIA that got released about the collision. So, both Hamilton once the race was finished, um, you know, we thought, okay, Hamilton's won. End of Saudi. Let's think about Abu Dhabi. I just got a notification on my phone. Lewis Hamilton summoned to the stewards. I thought, oh my God, even more drama. What's going on now? Um, so he goes up and he has to talk about why he collided into Max. And then Max goes up and they look at the data. And it's obvious that both of them are going really slow because they don't want to be the car that's ahead just before the DRS detection. Mm-hmm. The thing that's really important though is they there's a in the document here it says car 33 then braked suddenly 69 bar of pressure and significantly resulting in 2.4 g deceleration so yeah so it resulted in 2.4 g deceleration so he did suddenly and erratically break and he was given a 10 second time penalty for it which in the grand scheme of things didn't mean anything because i think bottas was like 20 seconds behind him anyway but it's just wild that he can do that, literally break test Lewis, and there's no consequences. Mm. Like some people say, oh, it's 10 seconds. Other people are saying, why didn't Lewis just go ahead? Um, he could have easily overtaken. If there's a car going slow in front of you, um, why is he playing the game of be ahead in the DRS section? But for me, I worry now that this says to Max, you can do anything. And at worst, you're going to get a 10-second time penalty. I don't think it, it's going to be let go. I think that was the the stewards trying to say, Max, you can't do that again. And I, I, you know, I think the penalty might have been not as harsh as it should have been. But I don't think they're trying to send a message that it's okay. Even though Max will not, he's not going to be like, oh yeah, I've been punished. For some reason, Max has gotten got it in his head that he did nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong this entire season. My, you know, like I, I'm almost like. Okay, once you got hit by by Lewis, why did you then speed off into the distance? But there was a, a thing on Twitter from Brad Philpot who said, remember when uh, Roman Grosjean got a race ban from making a mistake? So this is in reference to crashing in Belgium. Not deliberate, just a small error which resulted in a crash. How is a deliberate dangerous brake test on your title rival not massively worse than that? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. the, the FIA admitted that Verstappen intentionally caused a collision with his number one championship rival. You know, if this was Abu Dhabi and that happened, are you saying that he would only get a 10-second penalty? Mm. So I think that's the question. And that's why everyone going into Abu Dhabi is thinking Verstappen is 100% going to crash into Hamilton so he can secure himself the championship. Because even though they're tied on points, he has more wins. So that means he would win uh, the championship overall. And I don't. It, there's no argument you can make that that won't happen. Yeah. There was. It was. It wasn't there. Also, like you're you're saying about the Grosjean episode, but wasn't there also the Michael Schumacher? Didn't he get banned from an entire season for dangerous driving or something? He got disqualified. Yeah, from '97, I think it was. So, like, it's just it is. It does seem that the rules are different for Max. Does part of you hope, like, no, the FIA will make the right decision if he does that and they'll disqualify him? 
Or do you just have so little faith in the stewards to do that? I don't understand why the stewards are like this. I don't <laughs> like things should just be clear because now what the stewards have done to my dismay is they've created a situation where the most important man in Formula One is suddenly Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> His entire thing is I'll he bet. has to act as a buffer between Hamilton and Verstappen. As long as Bottas is between the two of them, Verstappen can't pull a random move where you know he's going to do this crash or yield thing. But that relies on Bottas, Bottas one, being yeah. able to defend, which he's never going to do, and two, be fast enough to be in P2, which is why yeah. last time I said they should have fired him already and put George Russell in that car. Okay, but George Russell uh, DNF'd today, so I don't know what good he would have been. And also, also Bottas did remarkably well. And yeah. my other favorite moment of the of the race was where Bottas literally passed Ocon on the line. If you watch the slow mos, yeah. there's one video that there is like they show Bottas at the top and and Ocon at the bottom. And if you watch that, literally a car's length, like the front of Ocon's car is passing the line as the back of um, Bottas is, is cars crossing. And he it's literally so cool. took him at that last moment. Great for Bottas. So heartbreaking for Ocon. And you know, there's so much other minor stuff that we didn't talk about. Like as you were t- saying that, I just remembered on the formation lap, there's this whole thing with, you know, uh, Bottas moving slowly and Hamilton moving slowly and Verstappen was angry. And then on the first restart, you know, uh, Bottas has this huge gap. No, no, sorry, not in the restart. In the first safety car lap, Bottas has this huge gap and, and Verstappen's like, no, it, it can't be that. And there's all this like gamesmanship stuff going on and, and Red Bull leaves out their junk on the track so that Lewis Hamilton has to drive around <laughs> it when he hits. And it's like every like everyone is playing mind games. This this race was like mind games. Everyone was. But you playing know the other thing. So like with, with, for the last maybe five or six or whatever races, for quite the last maybe even ten races, we've been talking about that this championship is going to go down to the wire. It's gonna gonna go to you know they've been fighting for that fastest fastest lap. Yeah. And they've yeah. we've said that it's going to be won by those that one and two, one and two points. And now yeah. here we are going into the final race, and yeah. they're totally tied on points. It's as if the rest of the, the the championship, you know, the rest of the season hasn't mattered at all. They're yeah. starting zero, both of them. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> so I'm nervous and I'm sad. You guys want to know why I'm sad? So first of all, I'm an unashamed, you know, Mercedes fan. I, people listen to us and think we're biased. We kind of are. But um, <laughs> I was listening to the Checker Flag podcast, and I consider, you know, Julian Palmer and Jack Nichols to be like ahead of the game when it comes to analyzing uh, the sport because they just do a very good job of it. And on this most recent episode, they were all unanimous in saying that they think Max will win. Because yeah, they said that because of he has crash or yield thing. They said he has no, no, nothing to lose. No, that's not why they said it. That's not why they said it. They said it because they feel Red Bull has made up enough pace in Saudi Arabia where it was supposed to be a dominant Mercedes victory. They've made up the pace that now when you move to Abu Dhabi, which is 50-50, that pace will make the difference. And Max will never even have to challenge Lewis because he'll just be off in the distance. And that depressed me. I don't know. There's so many unknowns. That's why I'm so nervous. Because I think even if we watch free practice one, two, three, we won't be able to correlate that with what's actually going to happen in the race. 
it'll just be as soon as it starts, we just have to watch and wait. I think the one thing is that Lewis, in these situations, in these last couple of races, you've seen this real fire in Lewis and that real determination to get him through. And he's, you know, he's, he, I think one of the, the interviews that he said afterwards, where he was talking about trying to be sensible on the track. And I think he has that drive and that determination. Obviously, Max has it as well. Um, but I think even without the, I don't think the pace thing is going to be a major factor because both of them have got such drive to to, mm-hmm. to win. Well, see, I don't think Max can take Lewis out because I think Lewis avoids crashes with Max so often. At least once a race, he'll avoid a crash. So I feel like Lewis will <laughs> avoid the crash, but it'll force him to be second. That's my predict. I don't think yeah. we'll see a double DNF, but I think we'll see a situation that forces uh, Lewis to, to be second. Um, but don't you think that Max, he, he's lost the last three races in a row. He's seen his lead evaporate. He's been handed all these penalties. Don't you think he feels backed into a corner and he's going to come out swinging or no? Yeah, like the way he almost set that pole position, I think he's going to come out, you know, giving 110% effort. Lewis is going to do the same. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, so just to recap this race. Um, it was had... insane. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> That's the recap. <laughs> Oh, I want to read. I want to read to you what the Wikipedia article says happened in this race. Are you guys ready? Sure. The race started at twenty thirty local time on five December and lasted for fifty laps. The race was interrupted with incidents that resulted in one safety car period, two red flags, three pulse hitters, and four virtual safety car periods, and a partridge in a pear tree. The end. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. That's all the Wikipedia article has to say happened in today's race. (laughs) But yeah. So next time in Abu Dhabi, right. The hardest one of them all predictions. I'm going to say Hamilton. Verstappen. And then... (laughs) Uh... Bottas. No, you know Bottas. Bottas has secured P three in the chat. You know all the other like big, you know, championship stuff is all decided. It's just you know the winner because yeah. Bottas is P three for sure. Oh, actually, you know what? Uh, Lando and Charles have to figure out P four, P five. So I'm not, them two. But then you know Alpine and Alfatori, that's been settled. Ferrari, McLaren, that's been settled. Uh, constructors has essentially been settled. So a lot of things have been settled, and it's it's just down to. Lewis and Max, and I guess you could say Charles and Lando, if anybody still paying attention to that. So, hashtag history awaits for Lando and Charles. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think, I think that they've changed this track to make it overtake friendly, but also have made it a little bit more Mercedes friendly. I think in previous years, Mercedes got to Abu Dhabi and stopped caring. But I think they're going to go to Abu Dhabi all guns blazing, trying to figure out every little edge they can do. And I think they will. I think they'll go in equal. And I think Max will come out on top. And I think he's going to win the championship. Omaima? Hamilton. P2. Ocon. P3. Lando. 
<laughs> you know, what's, you know what's funny is, <laughs> you know what's funny is we keep saying like, oh, okay, whoever wins the race wins the championship, but that's not necessarily true. Like it could no, literally they could finish be... P nine and P ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it could be like Daniel Ricardo wins Abu Dhabi. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I think Hamilton, Verstappen. I think it'll be happen Hamilton, Verstappen, and then I. I don't think the third is going to be Bottas. I think it will be someone. Like we're, we would, Alonso. Yeah, like Alonso or Ricardo or like someone that you just wouldn't expect to be on the podium. No, we need another shock podium. Massapin, Ma- go Massapin, <laughs> Massapin yeah, for I- P three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you know qualifying will be very important, and I think where Valtteri Bottas, where he is, is going to be very important. If he's if it's Ham, Bot- exactly Burr, the stewards have yeah. made Valtteri Bottas the most important man in the world. Ugh. Yeah. No, if, if, <laughs> if if Valtteri is second and and Verstappen is starting in third, in that situation, we may not see a crash, you know, at the start, and there might have to be a little bit of a fight because then Verstappen has to overtake Hamilton, and Hamilton can control if there's a crash or not. You know, it's not the opposite where Hamilton is trying to overtake Verstappen or they're fighting. This all on relies pass. on Bottas defending. But I think he will. He did today. He did in Saudi in the first start. He held off Max Verstappen. And he did it in Brazil in the sprint race. He held but off as Max you said, actually, Verstappen didn't have a good start. Yeah, well, you did say that. In... Are you going to take your words you back now, Mohammed? I'm going to say, what if he has another bad start? <laughs> you just With said all... that you thought he was going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this thing on Twitter that said, we've got to the point where the world championship can now be decided by a positive COVID test. Oh, it's been like that for at least two or three races. Yeah, but now imagine, imagine that's how this one... Helmut Marco wanted to send Max to like a COVID camp to catch COVID. <laughs> Genuinely, last year he said, our drivers are young. Why do we not just send them somewhere where there are people with COVID and then we can move on from this? Excellent. Helmut Marco's brain is decaying in his body, and everyone is acting like he's just a normal guy, but he's not. He's sick, and he needs to be in a hospital being watched over by doctors. Someone needs to keep a close eye on him. So Helmut Marco is just literally insane. We can put him, Christian Horner, Bernie Eccleston, Jeremy Clarkson, Paul DeResta, and Maddie from WTF1. That's right, Maddie. I'm coming for you. Uh, put them all in the same camp. Crazy people. Why Paul DeResta? Poor kid. Paul DeResta is insane. Fair enough. Very enlightening. To wrap up yeah. the pub there. Yes. And see Let's... people next week when we'll either be incredibly happy or needing therapy. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.